Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Can you believe we're actually in the year 2020? This is phenomenal. So this, this thing of being carried into a future and, and an acceleration, and we, we're feeling it, we're sensing it, God is doing major things on the planet, but God's also doing major things among us. And so he keeps bringing us to this word because there's more and more revelation, understanding that are in, encapsulated or, or included, should I say, inside these verses that the Lord wants to open up for us that we might receive everything that he has for us. So hence our, our journey back in, and digging a little deeper. Are we okay? So Isaiah chapter 61 the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places that have long been devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Nice. Anybody want to sign up for this? Absolutely. All right. So as, we, as we're digging into this thing, one of the things that, that I feel the Lord wants to get our attention is His intention to bless us with wealth. And um, when you raise the subject of finances, money, riches, wealth in a church environment, oh my goodness, a swirl of emotions and opinions. Oh, you got your Sunday face on. That's good. All right. So there's so much out there regarding this, the subject and many of us have been impacted and influenced in different ways. And so we come at this with a filter, right? And I'm wanting to address something of the filter this morning because this is a big deal. And if we don't get it right, we're going to miss out. Okay? So my... my my desire is that as we come to the end of the morning, we're all in better shape. This is going to be a good morning. Okay? Can I say up front, I'm not off to your money. Whew. Everyone here. Okay. I'm prepared to listen now. Right? Tell your neighbor. Okay, we can do this. Okay. Not off to your money. Isn't that nice? Yeah? All right. Hey, God's not off to your money either. Hmm? I mean, he, he doesn't, he's got enough. He doesn't need you. It's not, it's not like he's broke and he's trying to get it out of you. Okay? So if we, if we think, you know, that you know, we've got to help God out, we've got the wrong filter on with regards to our understanding of finances. Okay? So he invites us to partner with him and there are all kinds of benefits that we get from living correctly and accurately with regards to resources and kingdom. 
But it's not because God's useless or God is poor or he can't establish things without you. Hey, remember last week? God's not lonely. He's not miserable. He didn't create people because, you know, he needed another flower to pluck and put in his garden. None of that nonsense, remember? Just nod politely if you, even if you weren't here last week, just kind of go, okay, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So again, this filter that sometimes people get, like God is after my money. He doesn't need your money. Listen, he put the gold in the ground in the first place. He's got so much of it lying up in heaven, it's used for pavement. It's kind of like, oh, we've got no more space up here. All right, let's hide a little bit under the earth. You know, like you put dust under the carpet. I saw you. Yeah. You say he just like tucks a little bit of that. Yeah, we think it's so valuable. It's just like, hmm. No, no, God's not after your money, he's after your heart. All right. And so let's just, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to, to rearrange some of our thinking and, and maybe even remove some filters that we have taken on which might not be accurate. Okay? So in this passage here in, in Isaiah 61, he's coming at this subject from a couple of different angles. So the first passing shot here is the year of the Lord's favor. It's kind of like, oh, favor? Hey, I'll have some of that. It's actually a reference to the year of Jubilee. You heard of that? So every 50 years, God's people would hit the financial reset button. If you owed anybody anything, in the 50th year, ka-ching, done, over, debts canceled. That good? If you'd lost your property, if it had been expropriated from you in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to get into trouble now, so let me just back off a little. If you had lost your property, it was returned to the family. All right? So it was this major time of reset and restoration, all debts canceled. And so there's a reference here. And remember Jesus, he quoted from here. Remember that? And he said, today this is being fulfilled in your hearing. So this thing of jubilee of having debts canceled is right up there in terms of God's plans and purposes for his people. How about we pray this prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass or are indebted to us. Yes, definitely the concept of sin, transgression, anything that we've done wrong, forgive us. But the word also carries this thing of financial debt. Why would the Lord put that in there intentionally? Remember, the Holy Spirit inspired every single word. So accurate. And the Greek language is so clear, far clearer than English could ever be. The reason God put that in there is because he's called us to live in freedom, not in slavery. We've come out of Egypt and we're into the promised land. So we're coming out of being enslaved to this world system. Do you know that the word mortgage, you know, you got a mortgage bond? Mortgage actually comes from the French, which means a death certificate. Wow. So when you enter into a debt agreement and you sign, if you like, a death certificate, in other words, they're going to get every bit of life out of you while you own, owe them the amount of money for, for the bond. That doesn't sound like freedom. 
Uh, you, some people, it, it, you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got these kind of guys in the office, maybe you're one of them, and you get out your calculator and you figure out how many days of the month you have to work before you've paid off everything you owe, before you then are able to start getting money that you can spend. Do you understand the concept? Like it's 22 or 23 days, whatever, that you're using. All, all the income every day that you're working is going to go and pay off whatever debts and things that you have. And then only the last few days of the month, really, it's stuff that you're going to get. You, you understand that concept? Yeah, you've heard it before? I mean, that's not freedom, people. And Jesus came to set the captives free. And if we're in, in captivity, in bondage financially we're not free we're not free to respond to whatever the spirit's saying in terms of hey we're on about this in the kingdom let's go for it it's kind of like you know what i'd like to but actually i you know mr standard bank is is uh, he's my boss because i owe him because of the bond or maybe it's you know mrs Hubsa or something you know but whichever <laughs> bank it might be but you owe somebody something and you're not actually free Right? And so the Lord actually doesn't want us to be in servitude, in slavery to this world systems. He, but he wants us to be in a place of being free to respond to the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because we're about the kingdom, we're about the king's business more than we're about just our own business. This is true. Okay? So, in here... In this, hey, to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord, we're declaring jubilee. We're declaring freedom. The connotation is that we wouldn't have financial burdens being yoked, if you like, being shackled by our debts. So that's just a passing thing there. But then, you, of course, you go on to, to these other verses here, talking about, you know, People from foreign countries, that's the whole thing of strangers. Foreigners then working in your fields. So we, we, this whole thing of industry, labor, um, you know, you, you, you've got these, these connotations, if you like, of, of interaction between many different nations for the sake of generating, creating wealth, income, profit. All right? Instead of you being the person digging in the field, you're now employing somebody else to dig in the field, and they're going to be looking after things that you can step up into a higher level of stewarding and managing things. It's talking about increase. All right? Goes on to say in verse 6 you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Wow, so there's a difference between wealth and riches. And we'll dig into that at another time. But the Bible makes a distinction between what happens with money, what happens with riches, and what people are supposed to do with wealth. It seems that God hasn't got a problem with people having wealth. But he warns people about riches. Because people can quickly trust in their riches. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Money? What happens with money? Oh my goodness, there's this whole thing of mammon that gets all over money. You can't serve both God and mammon, money. Mammon, a, a spiritual entity that influences people's behaviors when they're dealing with money. But it's very different from, hey, what happens with wealth? Because God's desire is to cause his people to generate wealth. God gives you the ability to generate wealth. So God's not against wealth. Okay, so now, what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to take a look at some of these filters that we have adopted because of certain influences, maybe church ministries, maybe things we've seen on TV, and we've reacted, we've responded in different ways. And the reason it's important, because 
you know, the Lord was speaking about double portion, and, you know, in the double year, 2020, we've looked at these things, and, you know, again, I'm getting more and more stories of people cracking an egg open and getting a double yolk. And I, I spelt it correctly this time. But the, but the, the thing is, the Lord's giving us these, these little reminders, hey, I, I really want to do this for you. I'm wanting to release double portion. So there's a prophetic instruction that's coming. And the Lord is giving this, in a sense, this, this heads up as to what his intention is. So that when it comes, we know what to do with it. Because if we don't know what to do with it. And in fact, if we are not ready, our hearts are not sorted out. We could actually work against the very plans and intentions of God. If you don't have the correct mindset, you can actually sabotage God's purposes. And uh, so I just want to unpack this a little bit this morning, and I think we'll be home in time for the final over of the cricket this evening. (laughs) You got load shedding, you're not watching anyway. All right. You know, it's just wonderful to watch people revert to old technology, listening to the cricket on the radio and that sort of thing. It's just, yeah, all right. But here's this strange thing that happens in the body of Christ is there is this aversion against blessing. It's like, whew, that's a dirty subject. We don't talk about this stuff in church. And, and there are a number of different reasons why, why people react and respond in this way. Some of it is because of a poverty mentality. And a poverty mentality, uh, besides various other things, but one of the things is it comes from a mentality of scarcity or of lack. And scarcity, it's as though God is not enough or God doesn't have enough, or that God is limited in some way, shape, or form. But, I mean, this is ridiculous, because He is, he is the God of abundance. He's the God of more than enough. He's the, he's the eternal one. There's no end in Him. I mean, it's going to take us all of eternity just to discover who He is. Bill Johnson puts it this way. He's bigger than the book. What's he mean by that? He's meaning, like when John wrote the gospel, he said, if we had to try and record everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in all the libraries to contain all the stories of what Jesus did. Meaning... The scriptures give us some handles in trying to understand who God is. But God, he's done way more than what we can record. He's bigger than the account. In fact, eternity past, eternity future. He's the eternal one. Think of it a bit like when you were studying maths. Or maybe maths was being thrust upon you. <laughs> it's probably a bit more like it, eh? And, and, and you know, in, in the younger grades, the maths teacher would say, okay, today we're going to talk about infinity. And you're kind of like, yes, ma'am. She says, now, infinity is, like, if you take a number and you just keep adding, 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 and you keep adding, but it never ends, it just keeps going, and that thing that never ends, we call that infinity. And you got that blank look on your face. Why? Because your brain is trying to figure out how long it would take you to count to get to infinity, but you can't get to infinity because it just keeps moving. And you just, I mean, brain freeze. Yeah? Eternity. How long is it? How big is it? How wide is it? It's just, well, it's just never ending. That's, that's God. How can someone who is infinite, 
be confined, squeezed into the Bible. Clearly, the Bible is giving us some revelation, some pointers, some signposts that we might begin to know him, begin to discover him, but it's not possible for my finite brain, small brain, be nice now, but it's not possible for my small, finite brain to fully know and comprehend an infinite God. True? Okay. So we're kind of working together on this. So if God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing. He's unlimited in his resources. Clearly, thinking that is very limited, very confined, is not God-like. So we, we approach life because of the fall of man. Our understanding is a little bit warped. And so we look around us, and because we can only just see to the horizon... So we think, oh, well, there's just only so much. Like, we're going to run out. Way back in the 1970s, I was a younger chap. <laughs> and um, there was the, the crisis in the Suez Canal. And the ships could not take that shortcut through into the Mediterranean and, and on their way. And so ships, we used to live at the coast, ships had to come all the way down and around the Cape of Good Hope and on their way to other parts of the world. And uh, this, this whole thing of the crisis and transporting all sorts of things and goods, um, and, and around that whole time there was also the, the fuel crisis that was going on. And people said, there's not going to be enough oil. And um, so, uh, even in South Africa, we, we had huge problems with fuel supplies, which meant that in order to conserve fuel, when you drove in town, the speed limit was 60 kilometers an hour. And then when you went on the open road, you could roar along at a massive 70 kilometers an hour. Do you remember those days? Yeah, some of us are, yeah, the younger generation kind of like, huh? Yeah, it happened in, in our lifetime. So, but the thinking was limited supply, limited resource. The world is going to run out of oil any day now. That was back in 1973. And now, are we running out of oil? Listen, they've got to cut back on the production of oil. There's so much going on. It's the limited thinking, scarcity thinking, thinking that the pie is only so big. And the only way that I can increase is if I steal somebody else's piece of the pie. It's called state capture. Because I can't think that I can actually do something made in God's image, whatever he does, grows, expands, that what I'm involved with, will grow and expand. No, no, no. If I have limited thinking, I'm thinking that it's all going to run out and the only way I get ahead is to steal somebody else's, squash them down, whatever. That is a poverty mentality. It's absolutely contrary to who God is, how he reveals himself. So poverty mentality, it creeps into our thinking, our understanding with regards to wealth, finances, and the kingdom. Shouldn't be. Another thing that, that causes us to miss out on the blessings of the Lord is, is some misappropriation and misunderstanding with regards to humility. And so some people have associated incorrectly being poor with being more spiritual. So, you know, if I have less, 
then, you know, I won't be corrupted by all these evil and wicked things. So therefore, you know, I, I, I give it all away and I have nothing and, and then I'll be more spiritual. And, you know, this was in, influenced by some of the desert fathers in the early days of the church. And the guys just went off on the deep end but I'll, I'll, I'll touch on it in a, in a short while. But it really came out of Gnostic thinking. They, they, were, they were supposed to be church leaders, but they were impacted by Gnostic thinking. And so this, this thing of, you know, I can't have anything of this world because this world stuff is evil and wicked, so I, I have to separate myself out from the world, you know, because we're not of this world. So I have nothing of this world, and I have nothing. And so embracing a poverty mentality... Lack, thinking that I'm actually going to be more spiritual. Yeah? But the, the, we, we've got a couple of problems with this kind of thinking. One of, one of the problems is, if your children had to stand begging at the side of the road, how would that make you feel as a father? Would it make you feel like, man, I'm so proud of my kid. He's got nothing. And, um, and the only way that he can survive is to, is to take from others. I wouldn't, you wouldn't be so happy with that, would you? The kind of lack thinking as though our heavenly father would take delight in us having to beg from others as though it was a greater sense of spirituality. Because, can I just like peel back a couple of layers of this? We, I'm just living by faith, brother. Can I just peel back some of that stuff? Because there's the genuine living by faith, and then there's the, the, the pseudo stuff. Yeah? So I, I, I'm naughty, but... I sometimes rip off people and I say they're living by faith book. <laughs> anyway, I'll try and behave. Got nothing, but I'm really spiritual because I have nothing and I'm not tainted by the world. And we actually judge and criticize people who do have it's kind of like, ah, they must have got it through ill-gotten means, you know. Must have been a tender. <laughs> must have rigged something. Must have been bribery. Must have been some kind of, there's no ways that they could have legitimately worked hard for that or earned it. it. There must be something suspicious going on. And so we judge and criticize the haves, the rich, the wealthy. And in fact, we are appalled at them. We, we actually look down on them. They must be wicked, terrible people because it's hard for them to get in the kingdom, you see. All right? But the same person who's living by faith has got nothing is reliant and dependent on the generosity of who? the very ones they're sitting in judgment of. Because if, if you have nothing, what have you got to be generous with? Nothing. The Lord gives so that there might be more than enough so that we can be generous to others. Now I understand people all kinds of difficulties and hardships and tragedies and they get into all these difficult financial positions. But when we begin to adopt a mindset that embraces this as being holy, instead of recognizing it's a thief who comes to steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and might life more abundantly. What does abundant life look like? This doesn't look like abundant life. So why would we glorify this, saying this is abundant life? Oh, what do you got? Nothing. Abundance? Oh, spiritually, brother. That's not what he was saying. 
he actually meant what he was saying. So clearly this filter of lack as being some kind of spiritual, you know, higher level is completely incongruent with the rest of Scripture. And yet many in the body of Christ have grabbed hold of this mentality so that when the Lord wants to bless, you actually sabotage the Lord's blessing because you say, well, it's only wicked people who've got lots of stuff. I don't want to be wicked. No, thank you. Uh, unpacking it, people don't necessarily consciously, you know, add up and, and put the, you know, join all the dots. But the behavior tells me that's what they do. Our father is a good father. In, in Luke, Jesus is telling this little story and he's com comparing. He said, listen, you earthly fathers, your kid comes asking for a, an egg. You're going to give them a scorpion? They ask for bread. You're going to give them a snake? Of course not. Now, listen, you guys, you earthly fathers... Even though you are evil in comparison to God, because he is good, even you, earthly fathers, would give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father will give good gifts to his children? In other words, our good father wants to give good gifts. When we're buying our kids' parents, uh, when we as parents are buying our kids' presents, we don't go with the mentality like, what's the least I can do? We actually, the heart is, what's the most I can do? Because I really want to bless and love my kid. True? I, we get that from our Heavenly Father who loves to bless and to lavish on his children. So when we hold on to a poverty lack mentality, we're actually denying the reality of who our good father is. We are a poor representation of our heavenly father. We're actually saying he's so poor he can't really care for us. He's put us out on the streets to beg. That's not representing our Father well. He's the God who's got everything. More than enough. I mean, He just creates stuff out of nothing if He needs to. Listen, this world is not running out of stuff. Prophesied this a few years ago, and, and, I, and I've seen it come, it, it's happening, and it's going to happen even more. God has put things in the ground, minerals. We don't yet know what to do with them. But he's put it in the ground on purpose because the day is coming, it is coming, and it will increasingly come where he's going to reveal blueprints from heaven for inventions and innovations, for products we didn't even know were going to exist, that are going to need these minerals in order to manufacture them. And right now we just look at the ground and we think, oh, it's a whole lot of dirt. But actually in them are minerals that's going to be valuable. And he's put plenty in the ground. And when did he put it in the ground? Not yesterday. He put it in the ground even before he put Adam on the planet. He knew about these days long before. We're not running out of everything. We don't need this lack kind of thinking. As though God, you know, God's made a mistake. There's not enough food on the planet. Nonsense. There's not enough earth on, there's nonsense. There's more than enough of everything. These climate, oh. <laughs> if you don't have an understanding of who the creator is, you're always going to be accusing him. He didn't do enough. He's messing it up. He's not in charge. He's not in control. He doesn't know what he's doing. Everything is just a disaster. Because you cannot see the design of the great designer. 
And so you stand there and you thumb your nose at God. What a mess you made. Can't trust him. We've got to fix it. Really? The same ones who made the mess are going to fix it? How's that working out for you? No. Let's move away from a mentality of scarcity and lack, poverty thinking, which is not God. And let's not ascribe some kind of spiritual maturity to this. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to see that we serve the most remarkable, overwhelming, abundant creator. So as we, as we open up our hearts and our minds, we're able to see what he's doing and we're able to partner, co-labor, participate in what he's doing. And instead of rejecting, because we think it's spiritual to reject this stuff, when in actual fact, he's giving us the resources for the expansion, the extension, the increase, the advance of the kingdom. Do you know that it takes... It takes resource for expansion. Yeah, yeah. Listen, when you came on the property this morning, like, did the land just, you know, like, poof, there you go, title deeds for the church. Or did people have to put resource in in order to get the title deeds? How about the building? You know, we just prayed, poured out some water like an offering kind of thing, and we came back the next day and there was a building. And we're kind of like, wow, we just moved in. No, what happened? The Lord released resources to his people that there was abundance, there was an overflow that allowed the resource to be used to build a building, buy the chairs, the carpet, the sound system, the lights, the air conditioner. Resource. Resource is not bad. Resource is good. All right? So we need to shift and change some of our mindset. If we don't have anything ourselves, we will not have the capacity to represent God well and be generous towards others. Because we say that God is generous. We're made in His image. As we're growing, being led by the Spirit, we're becoming more and more like Him. That's the objective, right? To become Christ-like. Three people have read the Bible. A few more. Okay, Ephesians, we are going to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We're going to be more like him. That was what Bussy was saying this morning when she said, hey, turn to your neighbor. Kind of like, wow, you, you, you're looking a bit like God. You've been made in his image. We're calling out the gold. Yes, we're growing into it more and more. But the thing is that we, we, we need to be stepping into his nature and his character to reveal who he is in this world. And he's a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's not withholding, he's giving. There's increase, there's expansion. And so we need to represent him and his heart of generosity. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 speaks about the fact that he is going to give us more than enough that in all times, all occasions, we will abound in every good work because he's going to give us the more than enough. There are lots of mores in there. All right? So we need to shift away from this kind of embracing lack mentality and move towards embracing the increase mentality. Let's see if we can try and bring this to a little bit of a pause and we'll have to carry on next week. Is that okay? I spent a fair bit of time last year as we dug into the book of Colossians. And we, we noted there that the philosophers, Plato and Socrates, impacted and influenced the world back in the day which had an impact on the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire. And that kind of thinking influenced and impacted the way people would live, 
interact in the marketplace, so to speak. And a lot of believers bumped into this kind of thing as well. They believed that the earth was wicked, was, was, was a terrible place, and that man, through enlightenment, needed to escape the trappings of this world and reach out for the supernatural world, the spirit realm, which was pure and holy. And so we escape this world and we strive for union with the being. Okay, obviously Socrates and Plato were not believers, right? But that kind of thinking that the earth is wicked, terrible, nothing good on the planet, and we're escaping for perfection. You read any good books about that lately? You don't want to be left behind. <laughs> it comes from these kind of roots. That only in the future, we, we push everything off into the future, that'll be good. But everything down here is terrible and wicked. And so we, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and we don't touch the world. And so we hide away behind our monastery walls so we don't get infected by the terrible stuff on the planet. That's that kind of thinking, which is not kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is we are light, and darkness always gives way. We are salt. We're here to stop the corruption. And we're here to add flavor. We're here to make a difference. We're not trying to put all the salt in the salt shaker. We're actually trying to get out there and make a difference. Comprehensively opposite to that kind of escapist thinking. But this Gnostic thinking had the impact on, on people to say, Nothing of this world is good or could be or should be enjoyed. And so it's not about having any pleasure here on earth. I shun all pleasures because my only pleasure will be heaven. Man, there's a lot of scriptures. You've got to rip out your Bible, which says that God gave us everything for our enjoyment. That it's his good pleasure to give us all things. Right? And so we, we see that the, the, the church has, has, has had certain filters that they've adopted, but they haven't been biblical filters, even though they've come to the scriptures and looked at the scriptures through these filters. So, yes, there are also these aberrations, prosperity gospel. I was just telling the folks in the first service, we've made it onto the list. We've made it onto the list of um, people who should be avoided at all costs. Hmm, hallelujah. Some of you visiting, you're kind of like, what the heck is he talking about? Okay. So, for some reason, somebody did an in-depth study on us and decided we are a bunch of heretics. And... Um, and I think they lump us with the, the prosperity gospel. And we were kind of like, no, we actually have been speaking, you know, that that is not a good thing. But anyway, we happen to be lumped with these guys, prosperity guys, which we are not. But let me just explain. So the whole thing of prosperity is, you know what? The sign of my spiritual maturity, let me, let me move to this side, okay? Remember we were in this side of the platform, it was lack, all right. Now, the other extreme, the sign of your spiritual maturity is plenty. So the more you have, clearly, the more spiritual you are. Because God's blessing you. So the whole th thing of the prosperity thing is, I'm using God to get more money. And if God is with me, then I've got a bigger house and a bigger car and a bigger everything. Maybe not the waistline, but anyway. So the whole thing around prosperity is pursuing and going after wealth, riches, and money. And using the scriptures and using faith and all of these things in order to accumulate more. So Daryl's scripture that he used, it's kind of like, hang on. 
It's not in the going after and building yourself a bigger barn. Remember? So we know that this can't be right. So we've got a ditch on this side of the road. Prosperity. Without a purpose. When it's self-centered and used for self-worship, that's the issue with it. Does God want to prosper you? He's a good father. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to lavish things on you. But there's always a purpose that's attached to it. It's not in self, selfish gain. So the kind of camp here is, how can I use God to get more stuff? A more healthy approach is, how can I use my stuff to get more of God? How do we increase the worship of God on the planet? How can I effectively use all the means and the resources that is entrusted to me to bring Him honor and glory? So it's not about self, it's about Him. I'm just a good steward. And we'll get to that hopefully in a couple of weeks. So we've got issues on this side of lack. And we've got issues on this side, which is all about self-indulgence. You can see scriptures here that seem to vindicate this. But when you don't read scripture in light of scripture, you can go offline. Same with the poverty thing. It's kind of like, yeah, I've learned to be content with nothing. Yeah, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, he's close to the poor. Okay. There are a lot of scriptures that are vindicating this place too. Okay? Our, our challenge is to hold on to these two things and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing in the season? And recognize that in all of these things, it is always about the heart. Always about the heart. If I have nothing, Corinthians 13, if I have nothing and I give away all my possessions to the poor, even my body to be burned, but I have not love, I am? So there are people who have got nothing, but they don't have the right heart, and it's zilch, nothing. Okay, so we recognize that there are these, these two, two ditches. So as we, as we wrap up, my final, final closing before I do my final, final, final closing. Is to recognize that the Lord is dealing with our hearts so that we can be in the position where he can do this double portion stuff. Because if our hearts are not right, we won't be able to stand up under the weight of the abundant blessing. And the blessing will crush us. Okay, so in Psalms it says that he wants to give us a blessing that doesn't come with any harm. Yeah. There are blessings that come with harm. No, no, we don't want that stuff. We want the blessing, no harm. How do we get that? It's about adjusting our hearts. How do we adjust our hearts? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. If you're holding on to a filter that glorifies poverty, you will not be in a position to be able to receive the blessing. As I was just sharing as we were landing, I think the fourth closing I did this morning, in the first service, I was just saying, you know guys, I've had to deal with stuff. You know, when the Lord wanted to give out blessings, I was not in a position to receive the blessing and I rejected the very blessing the Lord wanted to give me because I had a wrong mindset. Now, I understand you've come to church and you've got your Sunday face on, so you're probably not going to say, yeah, John, that's me too. But this, in dealing with a lot of people, I discovered, you know, we all face similar kind of issues because they're issues of the heart. Issues of mindsets. 
that we sabotage the blessing and the favor. It's kind of like, oh, no, no, we're not worthy, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, we... Where the Father wants to give good gifts, and we say, no, 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 wrong address. It can't be for me. It must be for somebody else. Because our mentality isn't ready to receive that blessing and favor. You know the best thing we can do? It's called repent. Repent means change the way you think. Lord, you're a good father. You want to give good gifts. Holy Spirit, right now, this is my prayer, by the way. We pray. Holy Spirit, would you shine your light in my heart, in my mind, where there lies that I've believed as being true. Lies about who you are, how you want to take care of me, how you want me to walk with you with regards to resources. Lord, I'm so sorry when I've rejected your goodness and your kindness and I've not understood that it's come from you as a gift. And I've turned the gift of the present away. Sorry, Lord. Would you help me to see you more clearly in all of these things? That it's not in the going after things that will bring us fulfillment. But it's in the going after you. And as we delight in you, and we delight you that you lavish your love, mercy, kindness, goodness, abundance upon us. That we might then in turn reflect your heart to this world and represent you more accurately. So change my heart, Lord. Change my mind. Shine your light on those things that do not line up with your ways. Thank you that this is a year of alignment, 2020. And even as through this prophetic painting this morning of the, the sparrow, that not one falls to the ground. And if you take care of the little sparrow, how much more will you take care of us? Because we're far more valuable than that. So thank you, Lord, that you're working in us and you're preparing us in order that we might walk in the fullness of Isaiah 61. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Bless you guys.